Hello and welcome to your daily dose of commentary. Today we start with the topic, there are now cougars in GTA Online. Some updates coming to GTA Online, and one of them in particular was DM'd at me so many times. Tez Funds 2 on Twitter, animals on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X versions, hashtag GTA Online. This is from the GTA Newswire. Plus, animals come to the world of GTA Online from PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series XS, along with additional improvements specifically for players on the latest consoles. So the animals are coming to PC. Rockstar's like, man, we, we can't put animals on P in PC. Uh, of course, uh, the cougars would attack Mr. Darkfire for AU, but we can't do that. So I'm sorry, guys, that uh, we're not getting animals in PC. What? There aren't cougars in missions! I actually remember the day that I found out that there weren't animals in online. I, like I had never noticed. It was around May 2021. With this video, GTA 5 Meme Olympics 1, Modest Pelican, Sunny Evans, TG, and Dark Viper AU. A funny video. A part of what we were doing is we, we were thinking up challenges on the spot for us to compete in for the purposes of content. And I said to the guys like, hey, we should do like a challenge to see who can kill an animal first. They paused and they were like, but Matt, there's no animals in online. I was like, what? Oh my God, you're right. How did I never notice this? The game came out in 2013. And I guess, I, I know I didn't play much online before then, but you think, you, you think I would have noticed while playing it intermittently over the years that there were just no animals on the line. So honestly, it's a good addition, I think, that they're adding. Continuing, I think, Rockstar's current methodology of adding new content to online, which is just borrowing stuff from GTA 5 that they didn't put on, on, online in the first place. And that's a smart move, right? Makes the game feel new and fresh and doesn't require as much effort to make new things. Someone in chat said, um, I think Laser Beam already did Meme Olympics. I wasn't that familiar with Laser Beam when we did this. And upon hearing that he had a series called Meme Olympics, I think there was a little bit of a discussion about whether this is, this is cool or whether he's gonna care or whatever. I met the dude, he, he's, he's chill. I think TG said that at the time he, he wasn't happy about it or something, but he hasn't brought it up. He probably doesn't even remember since it happened. Some, I don't think it caused any persistent beef between me and him. I think originally we were gonna change the name, but it didn't seem to really matter, you know? Because obviously the idea of competing in small challenges that you make up is not an original idea. It's been done to death for as long as you know, entertainment has existed. Just kids being like, hey, let's run to that tree. Whoever gets to that tree first wins. Will the new experimental features benefit YouTube in the long term? So I've heard about this in passing, and I guess it's similar to what Netflix is doing. YouTube is branching out into games, at least for its paid subscribers. The platform is giving premium users access to a set of online games that can be directly playable on either the mobile app or desktop app. Known as Playables, the company first debuted the experimental feature to select users in September. And I have a picture of apparently what it looks like here. Playables on YouTube, instant games, no downloads. Slice it all, brain out. Again, it just seems like everyone wants to get a piece of the insane amount of money that is made in gaming. Maybe taking some of the people away from like the, the app store on iPhone and uh, Android and all that stuff and, and keep them in the browser for as long as possible. Or the, 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 the other apps, the YouTube app, the Netflix app as long as possible. Given the insane amount of competition in gaming these days, are people really going to play these games in these apps rather than games on other platforms? I mean, surely someone is. It's, it's, it isn't a question of whether some people will do it. It's whether it would be worth the investment, the amount of money paid. And I, I don't know whether that would be true because I don't know what they're paying for it. Sounds to me like they used some of the Scrap Stadia code and wanted to keep people around the YouTube app more as possible. They may have already had the rights to a variety of different things because of their move with Stadia. And so wanted to repurpose 
some of those assets and just went, fuck it, let's just put it on YouTube and see how it goes. As we often say, Google is constantly experimenting with stuff and it makes sense for them to do it. And this is just another experiment. Do I think it's likely to succeed? No. And I'm not sure it's really beneficial for YouTube to, to try to be the everything app, you know? You're better off doing one thing really, really well than doing a lot of things okay in most cases. The website is already somewhat cluttered. Adding another hundred things, making it hard to navigate or find anything doesn't seem amazingly wise. And certainly there's only a limited amount of screen real estate. If you want to be promoting these games and trying to get people to play these games, there's an opportunity cost there that you could be promoting other YouTube videos instead. People will only scroll a certain amount before going, fuck this, I'm going elsewhere. And if you're dedicating any amount of space to not showing YouTube videos, then they're gonna see less YouTube videos before they eventually leave. Potentially increasing the amount of people who click away from the app because they can't find a video that they wanna watch. Um, so it is a risk. This is a, a cost, which it makes sense why they're only gonna be um, trialing it for some people. And of course, they'll get some analytics. If it makes people stay on the platform longer, then they'll keep going with it. If it doesn't, then they'll stop it, <clears throat> which is sensible, right? Like, I'm, I'm not saying it's a dumb thing for them to test this. I'm saying that I'm skeptical that it could really be of long-term benefit. So another thing I'm not really certain about with YouTube adding, it's a uh, comment topic summarized by AI. To help you easily understand and participate in comment conversations, we're experimenting with AI that organizes large comment sections of long form videos into easily digestible themes. If you're part of this experiment, when you open the comment section on mobile, you'll see a new option to sort by topics on some videos. Creators can use these comment summaries to more quickly jump into comment discussions on their videos or to draw inspiration for new content based on what their audiences are discussing. So obviously it's just another experiment, but it almost seems to be backtracking to me. Like I thought they were putting less focus on the comment section. Like do people really have discussions in the comment section very often? Like they certainly don't under my videos, but then again, my videos aren't informational videos necessarily. I mean, like people have discussions under my more video essay stuff and have discussions sometimes under my rambles, but not that much. Like the percentage of people who actually have discussions under YouTube videos surely is quite low. And you would think YouTube on some level be like, well, that's just less time people are spending watching YouTube videos. We need people to watch more ads, watch more YouTube videos. And they spend time in the comment section. They're spending less time watching the ads and watching the YouTube videos. But I suppose in their mind, it's like, well, we need to give other give people other reasons to stay engaged, to stay on the app, to, to keep coming back to the app. And checking up on an ongoing discussion is, is one way to do that. And certainly if you engage with a video through comments, it can give valuable information for the algorithms and stuff. Like I'm saying, there's there's value to be had here, but I'm not sure how much the AI summation really helps. I suppose what they're trying to do is fix the problem of the comment section not being very easily to navigate, easy to navigate, and that often many of the top comments will just be, you know, quote from the video that everyone has upvoted or the comments that people leave within the first five minutes of the, of the video releasing. Um, I really love this creator. He's so great. And people upload it because they agree. Rather than actual discussion of the video that can only come after the whole video is watched. Um, if, you, if you're leaving a comment after you watch the hour video, that's an hour of comments that you have to somehow fight against to uh, get your video, your comment high enough that people will actually see it and potentially engage with it. This could help. Again, it's not free. It has some cost in terms of redirecting users away from things that have value, which is watching YouTube videos and potentially ads and directs them towards the comment section, but it could increase engagement, could make the comment section more navigatable. 
I don't hate this, especially in terms of potential ethical uses of AI. This seems fine. I'm going to be interested if it rolls out to more people and uh, ends up working out. But it sounds like the feature is just for the creator, not the viewers. No, I don't think it is. Yeah, so sorry if I gave that impression, but it's for viewers and creators. And to be clear, while I did disagree with Linus when he said that sometimes the best way to learn what's in a video is to read the comments, I disagree with that. I do think that sometimes the conversations people are having in the comments and the viewer's response to a video, which is often communicated by the comments, is more interesting than a video itself. Often that's the case when I'm mentioned in a video or a video discusses me. I'm often less interested in what the individual creator has to say and more what the audience's response to that is. And AI summarized comments could help with that maybe. This Gabe Newell quote reminded me of myself. So I was watching the Half-Life 25th anniversary documentary, which I recommend to you if you like Half-Life. But one thing that Gabe Newell said in it reminded me so much of myself. And you'd have these conversations where you'd be sitting in a design review and somebody would say, that's not realistic. And you're like, okay, what does that have to, like, explain to me why that's interesting. Because in the real world, I have to write up lists of stuff I have to go to the grocery store to buy. And I've never thought to myself that realism is fun. I go play games to have fun. And so we had to come up with... <laughs> I'm like, that sounds like me talking about Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> How I would complain about something and people be like, yeah, but that's realistic. I'm like, yeah, but it's not fun. <laughs> he sounds so exasperated. Like, yeah, I get it. It's not realistic. Who cares? YouTube has altered the about and channel tabs. So I was asked what I think about them removing the channel tab and the about tab on YouTube. So you can see here, it says home videos, shorts, live playlist, community membership store. Not everyone has the store. Um, not everyone has memberships, not everyone has live. Like, th this can be quite small, depending on what features you're using. But there used to be an About tab that you clicked, and there used to be a Channel tab which you clicked. Now you click up here, and it pops all these out. And you can also put this still at the bottom to show your other channels. And I'm not even sure where this would be on mobile. How many of you knew that you could click here and see all these links? How many of you even clicked these things to get all this information and stuff? I don't think that the Channel tab or the About tab probably got much engagement at all. Some of you say you did not. One of the things about making a new place for people to click where they can get information, whether it be old information or new information, is you have to put it in a place where people will actually find it or potentially click. So for example, for the longest time on Twitch, you could click the profile picture here and a bunch of information will come up. Like uh, it changes like this now and you can go and, and go to the about section and stuff. But for the longest time, you got no feedback when you masked over it. See how it like pulses now? When they first implemented the feature, there was nothing suggestive that clicking the profile picture actually did anything, so no one did it. Everyone was just confused as to how to get back to the About tab and all that jazz. Even now, it's it doesn't look amazing. Developing a user interface that people will actually use in the way you want them to use it and to intuitively be able to understand how to use it is quite hard. And I, I'm happy I'm not in such a position to do that. Because it's not like you can just feed a person a tutorial every couple of weeks when you want to change things. The question I was asked was, do I think this is going to impact people's discovery of my other channels? And I don't think it's going to impact it negatively. I think if anything, more people will probably see these links that, that used to be my about tab. But I don't think I got much discoverability from the channel page, the about tab, or that I'm going to get with this anyway. So I'm not particularly fast. Can mandatory gambling breaks combat dependency? 
I forgot to mention this about my trip down to Melbourne for PAX. I haven't been to a casino in a long time, chat. I played a little bit of poker digitally online or whatever for fake money because you can't even use real money in Australia. But obviously the in real life casinos still work. But it seems as though government officials have still been working to crack down on the negative impact that gambling can possibly have. So when I went to the casino, it was a pain in the ass to sign up for the multiple different systems that they have now. Because the only way you can use a poker machine in the casino is if you use a particular card and on that card, you set a particular limit. If you do not set a limit, you cannot use poker machines. Like you, you have to put your card in or it won't accept money or some shit. I say shit as in like I'm dismissive of this, like it's a bad idea. No, it's a good idea. It's just confusing. But not only that, at the Texas Hold'em tables, the things that I'm interested in, they make it so that every, I assume it must be like two hours, the tables are forced to have a 15 minute break. So you might get allocated to a table, like a seat opens up, you might sit down, and then five minutes later, the table is forced to have a 15 minute break. So you all get to keep your seats, but by law, the casino has to say, hey, go somewhere else for 15 minutes and then come back. While at the table, some of the other players were discussing this and they're like, oh, that's just fucking nonsense. Like, you know, the, the, the people get up off this table, shove off, play some poker machines and come back. It's not doing anything to, to help people or whatever. And I, I, I didn't say anything, but I totally disagree. From my own experience, just being there, a break would come and I'll be like, oh, you know, she has gotten a bit late. I'm going to go home. Because <laughs> like, I don't really want to hang around 15 minutes sitting in a chair. I'm just going to go home. Having that forced break requiring people to look at the time, assess themselves, where they're meant to be, think about it, how much money have they lost, how much money do they have, do they really want to sit around potentially bored for 15 minutes, that's, that's going to cause some people to leave. It's a barrier to entry, as we say. Um, there's now a 15 minute barrier between you doing something, and at that point, some people are going to go, nah, I'm going to go home. And I think that will have some impact, at least, on people's propensity just to lose track of time, or feel like they just have to keep gambling to win that money back. That separation will do something. I think it's a very good policy. Uh, I don't know when it was implemented. Clearly, I'm not abreast at, of the laws going on in, in my, my country, I guess. As much as I love it, why would they not just ban casinos outright? Well, regulating harm and controlling it can often be better than like pushing it all underground and making it all legal. I'm not saying that's necessarily in this case, but outright banning something isn't always the best move. It can often be the case that you should allow it in some controlled way, especially considering that all gambling isn't a vice. Like you can have fun gambling. It's just obviously certain forms of gambling can prey, or all gambling to a degree, um, preys on our own psychological failings. Like as I will keep saying, I think poker's fine. I think blackjack is fine. Slot machines are fucking awful. Slot machines should be banned. Like when I, in the casino, 90% of the casino is just slot machines. You go one level and you walk from one side to the other and you walk past hundreds of slot machines. Like every place you look, everywhere you turn, there will just be a circle of slot machines because they make so much money. They're perfectly programmed and, and flashing lights psychologically to get people to put in more money than they can possibly afford. It, it's, it's nuts. Like Texas Hold'em has specific rules, specific returns that you could calculate yourself and it's consistent wherever you fucking go, depending upon the rules. Uh, a slot machine in one place could return 80% of the money. Another one could return 60%. Who fucking knows? It's, it's machines. I, I fucking think they're awful. And as well, like tourism as well. People come over and they want to chill and gamble. And if there's no casinos here, then they can have less tourism dollars, right? And that's going to impact other things that aren't just gambling, right? It's undeniable that some gambling is fun. 
And so I, I do think, as I say, my two ideals, slot machines, bans, and there is no advertising for gambling. That's all I really want. Yeah, so I think those regulations are good. Good on Australia or, or just Melbourne. I don't know if they're in the whole country. Answering your most interesting questions. Do you think watching things at faster speeds is bad for you in any way? As I say, I watch things at two times speed, sometimes 2.25 times speed. It depends on the type of content. Do I think it's bad for you? I have no idea. Since starting to watch my TV more and it not having any speed up features, I seem to have no trouble watching things in one time speed again. It's a little bit annoying in that I know I'm consuming the content at a much slower rate and that I'd be perfectly happy and I could understand it perfectly well if it was a bit faster, but I'm not that fast. Um, I have seen no negative side effects of me doing this and I guess time will tell. I don't know why some people can perfectly understand things at faster speeds and other people can't. Maybe that will be studied one day, I'm not sure. But I say I have no expertise on that. I just do whatever I find comfortable and I suspect you do as well. Do you consider engaging with chat an obligation or something you want and like to do? Do you believe it is the same with other streamers? I think some people might feel obligated to do it because it is their job as a streamer. I have heard streamers specifically say that they hate their chats and they just disparage them and belittle them at every point. To what degree they're sincere, I can't tell you. Maybe I don't understand their community dyna dynamic, but I love you guys as much as I can possibly love random strangers on the internet. Using the word love in there potentially is manipulative and potentially too parasocially, but I like having a chat that I can talk to and engage with. It makes things funner. The idea that any problem I have, I can boot up my stream and be like, hey guys, um, you guys have all lived like a thousand different lives. Can you, uh, can you potentially help me with this problem or answer this question? That is really cool. Like if you said at any time you had a thousand people who would want to pay attention to your problem and potentially solve it, that, that you would think that a superpower. It is like one of the major perks of this job. But obviously also seeing people having fun, enjoying themselves, laughing at things that I've said, enjoying what I'm creating, caring about the work that I make. It, it's that immediate feedback, it, it feels good and is, is a thing that I, I greatly cherish. The degree to which you can have any real personal relationship with your chat, it really depends on your size, is what I'm saying. I'm too large for that to really happen now. I recognize some names in chat, and certainly since now I'm on two different platforms, it's even harder to recognize particular individuals in chat, but I still recognize some people, and even as a, a collective hive mind, it's still a, a wondrous thing to engage with, especially considering that if you are a person who is willing to come to my live stream, and watch my content, especially when I'm doing something that may be not as engaging as this. You're a very particular type of person who is more likely to be receptive to me as a person and my ideas and, and what I make, right? You are not a random person online. You are a person with many attributes and preferences that are more likely to be uh, amenable to my interests. As in, you aren't a random person on Twitter who could fucking hate my guts and just want to see me be miserable all day. You're a person who likely likes me and what I do, which is a very different thing. And, and so I, I engage with chat because I want to and I like to, and it's more interesting. And you guys make my content more interesting. And, and I see a lot of value in all of that, not because I'm obligated. I'm sure there are some people who are smaller content creators who are just barely getting by, who recognize that they need to 
keep pumping that engagement, need to keep engaging with their chat as much as possible to keep them interested. They're constantly doing like giveaways and involvement and and, and uh, bringing their chat on stream and stuff and, and, and creating memes and, and, and hype trains and all this stuff. Just to keep viewers engaging, engaged to keep coming back. And so they probably force themselves to engage with chat far more than they would or to, to create mini games and involvement, things that they can be involved in personally and stuff. Um, I don't have to do any of that because I'm successful enough. And so I can imagine people at that level may come to resent those things that they have to do with their chat. Some of that may be forced and fake. And I could understand those people may see it as an obligation, but as they are not in that spot, thankfully. I am obligated to tell you to click the like and subscribe buttons. Thank you for watching and I wish you all the best.